Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Media Boat Podcast. Thank you for joining us. Today is March the 24th, 2021. If you don't know what the Media Boat Podcast is, we are a podcast that gives you news and thoughts and feelings about the newest in media, and that includes movies, television, video games, and music, not necessarily in that order. My name is Matt. His name is Mike. I'm Mike. He's Matt. We are Media Boat Podcast 270-something-something episodes down. It's many. And so we had a long podcast last week. Mm Mm-hmm. We might have another one on our hands. We have I'm sorry. a lot of thoughts. Stuff just keeps happening, and we're trying to keep up to date on things like award season and stuff, so we have a lot to cover. Sorry, it's the time of the year. Yeah, so the news might be kind of shortened, but that's because we have a lot of thoughts that just keep <laughs> happening over the course of the week. Yeah. And so without spending any more time right. on an intro. Exactly. Without further ado, let's get right into a regular show this week. I know we went reverse last week, but hey, let's do the classic thing. Start with movies this week. And we always start, yeah, with, movies. start with what works. Yes, with what works. Well, I mean, not that it didn't work. <laughs> it was fine. Uh, but movies this week, there's stuff to talk about in movies. So we'll start there. First up, box office, a little bit of box office for you. Raya and the Last Dragon, $5.1 million at number one. That's sitting at $23.5 million domestic, and that's just theaters. Tom yeah, and Jerry. Uh, it hit $5 million last week. So I see it plateauing here for about a month now. So that's just yeah. a good base hit of a $5 million each week. And we don't know how successful it's doing on the Disney Plus Premiere Access version. However, our first news story, which we'll get to in a moment, uh, may explain that. Uh, maybe it is doing quite well. Uh, number two in the box office, though, Tom and Jerry, uh, it's HBO Max equivalent, uh, notwithstanding, it made another $3.1 million, 33.7 domestic so far for that one. Number three and four, kind of rounding out the top uh, top four this week. Guess the fifth didn't crack that magic million. Nope. Chaos Walking, number three with $1.9 million, and The Courier, with 1.8. Those are your movies. Upcoming, though, one movie for the 26th set to release. Oh. Technically. Right. One movie for this Friday. Yes. One movie for the end of the month. It's weird. Don't worry about it. Uh, Nobody. I don't know what that is. Do you know what this is? Uh... It's a Taken-style movie starring Bob Odenkirk from Better Call Saul. Okay, sure. (laughs) He is nobody in that film. I guess so. And then the one everybody's been waiting for, Godzilla vs. Kong, which, as you well know, he's getting an HBO Max release the same day as his theatrical for about a month. So, so forward to that. while that film technically comes out next week, we're telling you that it's coming out now. Yeah. Because the release date is literally one week next Wednesday, 331, yeah. because it had to sneak in there before the end of the fiscal year, according <laughs> yes. to contracts. The downside to that is that that, of course, is the day we record this podcast. So we probably will not be able to talk about it until the following week. Hey. I'll find a way to watch it. I'm not going to have a time to watch it. I'm going to be working, so I don't know about you. (laughs) I can watch it at 2x speed, like 
yeah. three o'clock in the morning. I could do that, but I own a 4K television. So why would oh, I yeah. do that? It's That's right. silly. Why would you do it? So I'll tell you if you should or should not watch it then next well, week. Duly noted. If I should or should not watch it in two times speed on a computer monitor. <laughs> Got it. Moving on. Let's go into our first news story here. And as I tease, Disney has made some announcements in kind of the wake of Raya the Last Dragon's release. They're kind of tidying up some new releases, um, judging by the performance of their Premier Access program. They don't explicitly say that, but you can glean from context clues that they're saying that, hey, this thing made some money. First up, two big new releases, Black Widow and Cruella, are now going to premiere on Disney Plus as well as theaters instead of being purely theatrical releases. First, of be first being Cruella, which is set to arrive on May 28th, while Black Widow has been pushed back to July 9th, its new date. Both titles will be offered by their premiere access mode for a $30 original cost, just like the uh, existing ones. Yeah, I don't know what that is. Uh, this means that the next Marvel film following Black Widow's release, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, has itself also been bumped back to September 3rd. No word on it's, if it's going to be premiere access. By September, we might have a better idea of how successful the theatrical model will be. So we'll revisit that in the coming months. Meanwhile, Pixar's new film, Luca, will be taking the sole route and will launch on exclusively on Disney Plus on June 18th. No premiere access necessary with no, yeah, with no additional cost, which is what that means. As for the titles inherited from 20th Century Studios, they have also been postponed, but they'll retain their theatrical only releases. That includes Free Guy, that weird ass video game themed movie, uh, still slated for October 13th. Or, uh, sorry, August. August 13th. It's the 13th, and I just jumped. The King's Man, the next in the King's Man franchise, December 22nd. Deep Water for January 14th of next year, 2022. And Death on the Nile, February 11th, 2022. While optimism towards theatrical releases has been increasing in recent weeks, thanks to the wonder, wonder, wonder of the vaccinations. Major markets like LA and New York City are still capping auditoriums at 25% or only 50 to 100 people per. So Disney isn't releasing the streaming numbers for Raya yet, as we mentioned, you never do. But it has made $23.4 million in theaters and 71 million domestic or uh, globally. So it's a moneymaker already, and it's only barely like, you know, walked into its release. So yeah, um, I don't blame them for going whole hog on the premieres, on the premiere access model for their newest, biggest films. Well, at least for Marvel, like, oh. or D, or in-house stuff, basically because the Marvel films make, one, they make a ton of money. Two, yeah. they make a ton of money because they cost a ton of money. Anywhere between 200 to $250 million per production. Not including marketing. Budget has you're right. Budget has to be a consideration here. Uh, the more expensive the movie is, the more likely they probably are going to pull the trigger on that premiere access uh, revenue stream. It's interesting though that we're seeing a division between the Disney stuff and the Pixar stuff, though. I did not anticipate it. 
I was shocked kind of when they did it with Solo, but the fact that they're doubling down and just doing a regular Disney Plus release for Luca as well. I don't know what that says about the Pixar stuff. Do they think that theatrical release for those non-franchised Pixar films is not a, as lucrative of a thing, and so they're more willing to put it on that model? We saw how quickly they turned around on Onward, too. Same thing. I'm wondering if it's some kind of contract like release when they were purchased. Hmm. Because as you mentioned, with Onward, they didn't do a premiere access. Soul didn't do a premiere access. Luca not doing a premiere access. I, Pixar stuff has not done premiere access. I don't know. I'm not in the business side of Disney, obviously. Um, but I, and I, so I don't know when some sort of the last contract they signed with them but it depends on when it was, right? Because Disney Plus was only probably like a fever dream somebody had back when they originally signed those papers back in 07 when they bought the studio, right? There's no way they would have known that streaming would be a revenue source. There would be no way that a contract would have been written about that stuff. Back then well, they were still t t doing DVD deals was their home distribution deal, right? Yes, but if it's written in contract language that Disney gets final say on distribution, mm -hmm. That could that specific language could mean why it's free and um, not other other companies like uh, Marvel or even Star Wars, which were both recently acquired. Whereas Pixar was oh four oh six. Yeah, I am going to say that it's probably your first theory and maybe less your second theory. I definitely think you're onto something with that budget thing. I think the bigger these movies are and the more they cost, I think they're more likely to want to try to protect themselves. Maybe the Pixar stuff is getting cheaper as the technology gets more refined. I could be wrong, but I that it's it's possible. Um, possible because yeah. Disney doesn't really make a whole lot of money from movies. They make it from merchandising. It's merchandising. You can merchandise the hell out of stuff, animated yeah. features more than you can out of live action features. You're right. But that that theory kind of deflates when you think of the Marvel part though, because then the Marvel movies are probably even more of a merchandise success story right now than the animated stuff. Like consider the, the merchandise you can sell off Black Widow compared to yes. the merchandise you can sell off Araya, way different, way yes, different. But also consider <laughs> that when they do contracts for these live action films, especially Marvel, mm -hmm. if these films hit a certain tier of box office revenue, the actors and directors and executives get right. bonuses on top of their already their their contracts already. It's already written into it. So, yeah. Extra theory. They're paying off about 60-70% of for um, Black Widow ahead of what it's going to make and mm -hmm. then rework the contracts to say if you meet this of this new box office revenue then you'll get the remaining 30 percent yeah or 30 40 percent whatever the remaining bulk of whatever the bonus structure payout is very well could be the case and we'll probably never know really what the inner machinations of all this stuff is i mean but what we do know is that it's kind of exciting that we get to see all these movies at home we don't have to go anywhere to see black widow which is nice although i probably won't actually watch it anyways but that's beside the would you I'm like to come I over and do a movie day? <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> Rain check. We'll see. Because um, I can tell you right now, I'm already planning on buying it for 
premier access <laughs> having a whole movie set up with of course full-on concessions in my uh kitchen setup <laughs> you got those mike and ikes uh thin mints oh. well thin mints junior mints. junior mints junior mints is a movie thing. yeah junior mints i know there's still a box of thin mints up on my fridge <laughs> oh, that I may not finished. be good by then but i will probably eat them before then. i literally just finished out the last of the girl scout cookies today they're gone. They're gone. They're all gone. Anyway, and the birthday cake, it's all gone too. No, okay. the triple chocolate cake. <laughs> I know. I ate it. It's in here. Um, so yeah, uh, who knows? But yeah, I'm, the bottom line of this story is that, yeah, stuff that uh, was previously in the no man's land of theaters can now be accessed from your home, whether it be premium or not. And that's good news for people who like to stay home. So yes. I wonder if Marvel's hand was kind of forced because they yes. couldn't back up any further movies, considering they're yes. still releasing core movies this year. I would imagine that that's definitely part of it, is that there was a logjam and they had to pull trigger at some point. I have a feeling that Ke uh, that Kevin Feige was very angry at the end of this meeting, <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> however it went. All right, let's talk about our second story here. One thing that Kevin Feige is not invited to this year is the Academy Awards, uh, because there's no big Best, Best Picture nominee for a Marvel movie this time. However, what there is are now new news coming out about its remote uh, presentation. Producers of the 93rd annual Oscars went on and sent an email to all nominees explaining the rules and expectations for the ceremony and insisted that the event will be done safely. The event will be hosted at Union Station in LA with some live moments taking place at the Dolby Theater in Hollywood. He said, quote, for those of you unable to attend because of scheduling or continued uneasiness about traveling, we want you to know that there will not be an option to zoom in for the show. They're arranging travel instructions and having an on-site COVID safety team with PCR tests on hand to ensure a safe evening. Only presenters, nominees, and their guests can attend the pre-show event and ceremony. As for speeches, the producers said they have but one request. Quote, read the room. That's in all caps. Tell a story. Story is in all caps as well. If you're thanking someone, say their name, not their title. So I guess bottom line on this one, they're trying to wrangle everybody in one place. So that we don't, they don't have the awkwardness of all those Zoom squares like they had at the Emmys. Right, but, they're also trying to wrangle in the uh, 10 second delay yes. between them cutting two people and like, oh, I won, but I don't know that for another 10 seconds. So watch me, my reaction in anticipation. Mm -hmm. Or you get the John Legend part bit where he gets announced that he's won and Chrissy Teigen is, is live streaming him, but he's cutting avocados or something in the <laughs> kitchen. And you have people in sweatpants and sure. just not in their best gown at, or attire. Yeah. So that's the first half of it, is they're trying to make it at least appear as if it's business as usual. But then the second half is that it seems like they're further trying to streamline uh, the, um, I keep wanting to say performance. I don't know why. The, uh, the presentation, speeches. the presentation by making sure that these speeches run smoothly. Um, yeah, I don't know how I feel about this because, like, 
you would think that being the last of the many, many, many award shows that we've seen tackle a remote presentation, that they seem to be the most adamant about like, no, this is going to be the way we always did it, just did a different place this time. <laughs> this seems weird. I don't know. It's going to be more weird when you have people who are winning awards not be able to show up to accept them because of, right. oh, travel restrictions. So, yeah, it's going to be a lot of the person, the presenter being like, and I'm accepting this on so-and-so's behalf. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a lot of that, which will be disappointing, I think. You could have had a lot of, this could actually they put are... a damper on a lot of the big stories of the night, right? Because if you have a situation where one of your big leaders like, uh, like Chloe, uh, Nomadland director, who I'm now afraid Chloe of pronouncing Jeff. her last name cor- incorrectly, um, because like, apparently uh, the thing I heard a, a person say is wrong. Um, <laughs> um, what if they? What if she can't show? And then if she takes the night, you know, then it's going to be weird. It's going to be awkward. I don't know. What? We'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, but it'll be interesting, just as all these award shows have been. It'll be an interesting train wreck to watch, and maybe it won't be a train wreck. I don't know. But we'll see. Yep. Um, and also for that last part, um, they're trying to get away from big political speeches that kind of dominated the previous night or the last year's, which yeah. was the go out to get out to vote. Yeah, well, I have to tell yes. them. I have to tell them, you can't stop it. It's still going to happen. This right. is Hollywood. What are you thinking? And that's probably for the best. Right. Sorry, my, my watch just told me there are new episodes of uh, Keenan and Young Love. Anyway, <laughs> yes, there are. <laughs> uh, anything else to say about the Academy Awards, or are we ready to move on? Uh, nope, we'll be watching them next month. Mm-hmm. I think we're ready to move on. And by okay. moving on, we're talking about a couple about thoughts. thoughts. One kind of follow up thought, and one brand new piping hot thought. Um, do you want to do yours first, or do you want me to just do mine? I think you may have more to talk about with yours. I probably do have more to talk about with mine. <laughs> four hours worth of entertainment. You should have just something to say about it. I have about four hours worth to say about it, but I'm not going to say <laughs> well, it here. <laughs> let's not do that here. Okay, well, I'll go real quick uh, on mine then. So last week I said that I had tried, I had attempted uh, to watch Netflix's Mank, Best Picture Leader Mank, and was unsuccessful. Well, I rectified that. I finished it over the course of this week. That sounds like I took a long time, but really it was just one sitting and then like another sitting to watch the final 30 minutes of it. Um, But I finished it. I watched the entire thing. I've checked that off of my best picture list. Um, And um, I landed more positive than I thought I was going to on it by the end of it, but I still don't think I like it. I think that it does a good job of telling in, I think that it does a good job of what it's set out to do, but the problem I have with it is it is very much the kind of movie that you can see from a mile away that is bioengineered to be nominated for Best Picture. I mean, think about it. It's based on a very famous, very important to film movie. Uh, it's the story of the screenwriter of Citizen Kane. Oscar bait written all over already. On top of that, They try to stylize it like it's Citizen Kane. It is shot in black and white in a mode that 
tries to emulate some of the imperfections of film from that era of film. So there are there's film grain that's act like a lot of the lighting is designed like it would be in a, a 40s film or in this case late 30s film. Um, it's set to like have like artificial like um, like those like I don't know what you call them like the bubbles in the film that show up every occasionally cellulose. Yeah, or whatever. I don't know if there's a technical term. Um, but yeah, and so it's designed to do that throughout. It's the is, film celluloid that's yeah, bubbling. Yeah. Which is, let me tell you, very distracting. <laughs> and then on top of that, it also, the sound is all recorded in a way where it sounds like how they used to record sound for films. Everything sounds like it's just in a recording booth. Not even a recording booth. It sounds like it's like, I don't know, it's weirdly echoey and just loud. Sounds like all the mics are hot. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, and so all of that kind of distracts from the movie for me. And I kept thinking about the artifice of it the whole time, as opposed to getting really involved in what was happening, the story that was happening. The story itself is fairly interesting, especially if you don't know the story of Herman Mankiewicz. Um, and it, it definitely goes some places that I did not anticipate even knowing that history myself. Um, but the script is also kind of distracting because it is a script that's kind of old. It has this old feeling. Apparently it's been sitting on a, on a shelf for 20, 30 years. And you can almost tell, it feels like it's written from a bygone era of film. And not the bygone era of film that it's trying to emulate, but that kind of 80, like 70s, 80s, like kind of script writing where, oh, everything these people are saying is a screenwriter talking and then not necessarily people talking. Like it doesn't sound super natural, the dialogue here. It sounds super written. And that's a your mileage may vary, I think, at that point. I think you're either going to be somebody who's way into that and be like, oh man, a classic screenplay. They don't make these like they used to. Or you're going to be someone like me who's like, God, I wish these people just talked more naturally to each other and you would still be able to communicate the same story. So there's a lot of hangups is, I think, the thing that I had with this film. A lot of distractions, a lot of hangups. But underneath all that, they accomplish what they're trying to do, and it is a very stylistic way of doing it. Is it a style I like? No. But I think there are people out here, out there, that are going to be like, this is going to be catnip for them. And that may include the Academy. And this is where I'm kind of maybe giving you a little bit of, of leeway here on my best picture thing. I still think this is Nomad, Nomadland's race to lose. But I can absolutely, after finishing this movie, I can absolutely, absolutely envision a the artist style upset here, based on the Academy's love for itself alone. Funny you bring that up because I was just about to bring up the artist yes. and ask you how if yeah. we remember watching it. The two films that come to mind that fit this mold are The Artist and La La Land. Is okay. very much in line with that. Except both of those were musicals. Yeah, that's the weird part is that this is, yeah, unlike those movies, it's also, it's also not a musical, but it, they can't really make it a musical if they tried. Um, hey, Alan Menken can make anything a musical. Yeah, well, he wasn't involved, thank God. Uh, so yeah. I'm sorry. Um, I, I mean, Lin-Manuel Miranda can make anything a musical. 
in the in the heights uh, theaters and HBO Max later this year. Um, <laughs> not sponsored. Not sponsored. No. Uh, so yeah, I think you should probably watch this. Just to, I want to get your take on kind of the stylist, like the stylistic choices here, and whether they were as distracting to you. As someone who also went to film school, you might also have some thoughts about that kind of that approach, and whether or not it was distracting or not. Because I definitely, I am remaining pure so far. I have not read any other reviews, because I'm kind of, like, I kind of wanted to go into this conversation fresh without being tainted by that. Um, but yeah, I might check out to see what the critical reception of this was because I actually don't know. Um, so as I am right now, I'm very I'm teetering on this movie. Like I want to like it more than I do. I see that it has merits, but the distractions are so distracting and I don't know if I can get past them. So, so Mank, it's on Netflix if you want to see it. I guess now you have to watch the Trials of the Chicago 7. I, on Netflix, I no. I don't have to, but <laughs> we'll see. I don't know. I'll get around the bank. I feel like my um, my Aaron Sorkin tolerance has plummeted, so I don't know if I can do it. But we'll see. Okay, so Mank, your mileage may vary. Yeah, that's pretty much my review because that I think it's going to depend wildly on your expectations. Also, if you've seen Citizen Kane or not, because if you haven't seen Citizen Kane a lot of this movie will not work at all because it's not only trying to tell the story of it, but it's also trying to emulate it in its narrative too. It bounces around between flashbacks and current day, just like Citizen Kane does. So if you're expecting a traditional film arc, you're not going to get it. So yeah, it's interesting. I don't want to say it's the Citizen Kane of Citizen Kane ripoffs, but is it the Citizen Kane ripoff of Citizen Kane? It's the Citizen Kane of movies based on the writing of Citizen Kane. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Okay, now it's your turn to tell me uh, the thing that up till its release, the internet couldn't shut up about. And now, miraculously, the internet totally shut up about. Tell me about all four hours of the Justice League Snyder Cut. Let me tell you about my 10-hour journey <laughs> of watching Justice League Snyder Cut. Mm. Because, well, no, shit. It wasn't 10 hours. Two and a half, five, six, seven. <laughs> yeah, it was 10 hours. Okay. So, a couple weeks ago, I mentioned that I had watched Justice League 2017. I have to differentiate yeah. now. Right. Uh, just to familiarize with why it was so poorly received. And I was like, okay, there's two and a half hours. I get it. I can see why it was per perceived that way. And Joss Whedon had to come in and tinker with everything and bend to studios execs will to make this work. Yeah. So when we reported that HBO Max was going to provide Zack Snyder with an extra $20 million to finish his work and get, provide his own vision for what would have been Justice League. Mm -hmm. You'd expect, you know, the same two and a half hour run probably because studio execs. But because going on HBO Max, they mm -hmm. completely eliminated the need for a, any type of hard cap and just said, 
finish it however you want. Yeah. And with that, you get a four-hour film. <laughs> so originally, when they first said they were going to get this, they were originally reported that they were going to split Episodic. it into four parts, right? And then out of nowhere, right before this thing releases, they changed their mind on that. Why do you think that was? So while you watch the film, it is split up into, into six different parts. Hmm, okay. So there's a, it does the thing that I don't like film doing, which is, which I complained about you last week on about Cherry. just last week, yes. Last week's uh, yeah. Cherry review was that it split it up into chapters. Mm-hmm. And it does that here, which, as I've said, I really don't like it. It's really annoying. It's done so because it is a four-hour film, and if you want to stop, you can. You go right back to it. Gives you a nice break to go eat something and come back. Or go to the restroom <laughs> or yeah. do something else, because four hours is a long time to just sit there and watch it. Yes, I would say, especially like without like some sort of intermission. <laughs> I mean, it, yeah. So the time <laughs> on this is a problem yeah. for me because it's it, an investment. One, it's an investment. Two, it breaks that movie, um, unspoken agreement movie quota between viewer and <laughs> director that I am investing in this in the hour of a film, a normal film length time. I'm not mainly here for you to just sit there and babble on forever <laughs> well Zack Snyder says no you're going to listen to me babble Zack Snyder says <laughs> but if I don't babble on you won't get all this rich backstory and detail <laughs> and character exposition that is needed for a satisfying conclusion is it worth it though do you get a satisfying conclusion does he pack it full of important information or is it four hours of a superhero movie? <laughs> he packs it full of important information because we didn't get that information in any prior films. Mm-hmm. Basically, if you took the Avengers film and you front-loaded it with a bunch of Thor stuff because Thor was never had its own film uh-huh. and you didn't know anything about Thor or Loki or why they're there, and their whole backstory, and it was front-loaded with a bunch of Thor stuff before it got to any Avenger stuff, then you, or like, sewn throughout and like, told like, backstories. It's kind of that same equivalent where we don't get any huge backstories on two of the major characters introduced into this film, which Joss Whedon had to do his best to, <laughs> to give you in one or two lines Mm-hmm. who they are, what they do, why they're important. Yeah. And kind of add his own flair of raising the stakes, which is to humanize them. It works for Marvel because the person isn't the superhero, it's the suit that makes them super. And that's what Marvel is kind of built their yeah. whole motif around is that the human is the more important element, not the person, mm-hmm. not the yeah. costume. Yeah, the drama is always interpersonal. The drama is very rarely extra personal. 
that doesn't quite qualify with Zack Snyder's right because um, DC superheroes DC. are more innately like they are superheroes they are defined by their powers more or less they I mean yes even going back to Man of Steel Zack Snyder yeah. established that this universe is these are gods among men right even in Batman v Superman that was heavy implied that these are gods and titans fighting yeah. amongst men I mean this division, they should be treated as such this division I think has been pretty much innate in the DC versus Car- Marvel argument forever, right? Like I remember, like I recall, people of that generation in the '60s who grew up on these Marvel comics, they glommed onto them because they weren't DC, because they were t- telling more personal stories about the heroes. It was necessary. It was less about the big clash of big powers and more about, oh, this is a person just like me. Especially like heroes like Spider-Man. It's like here's somebody relatable who's going through the relatable things. And that created a division. Obviously, of course, DC got better at telling those kind of stories as they went on, and the division became like less uh, separate. But but I think you, you're right. I think even the the, the way that the uh, film universes are per, are portrayed still have that difference in them. It's still that's the difference between the two franchises. Right, and so you have these metaphorical and I guess Superman physical godlike beings clashing and you would expect total annihilation and destruction around them which was as pointed out way back in 2012 13 when man of steel came out that there was a whole lot of destruction and critics kind of panned like why is there so much destruction this doesn't need to be happening but yeah but it does because these are superhuman meta beings that mm-hmm. would cause godlike destruction around them. Yeah. Which then handicapped Zack Snyder with Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice, because several points throughout that film, which I just rewatched because of this, they specifically point out in dialogue that, oh, that place is inhabited. Don't worry, downtown's clear. No one's there anymore. <laughs> There's no no casualties involved. It's like as if it was somebody's job. Because it was such a draw yeah. from Man of Steel. As, as if it was almost somebody's job, like in a continuity kind of way, to be like, "Oh, well, we got to make sure the audience doesn't think a bunch of innocent people just died." <laughs> Which is funny because that is all Batman's arc in the beginning yeah. of that film and throughout it. Right. That Superman needs to be controlled and tamed. So here we go to <sighs> Zack Snyder wrapping up that entire arc trilogy of movies which he calls his trilogy in five movies so we're only on three of five technically as he wants to uh make it who knows if he's going to finish the other two we'll see (laughs) but you can say four hours is a long investment yeah considering that you compound it on the three hours from Batman v Superman, on top of the two and a half hours from yeah. Man of Steel. I mean, that's not to say that the Marvel movies aren't long too. They're each about two, two to two and a half hours long, each of them, right? Yes. So they're also investments, but I think that when you're doubling that length, it's a whole new ball game at that point. Right, but then you wonder, can't you split it up like Marvel did with Avengers, Infinity War, and Endgame? Those are, right. That's still one cohesive story. Could you split over two parts? 
If that had happened prior to Justice League's uh, release, the original one, do you think that Warner would have been more like open to the idea of releasing it in a two-part way, sticking with Snyder's original uh, uh, version of the film? Or do you think that the way he does it, they're too enmeshed to separate? There is a specific point, meaning being, I mean, it's not really spoilers because the film came out in 2017. Right, exactly, yeah. There is a specific halfway point where they do bring back Superman that you could have cut it. Yeah. Just he's back and then you cut to black and that then it's just, just oh, he's back. Yeah. What's going to happen next? Are right. they going to get together? Who knows? Or you have, you would end it with that fight where Superman beats up Justice League and then flies away. And then you're left wondering what happened to everything else. How are they yeah. going to come back from this? Because that because now you're not just fighting one villain. Yeah. Superman is now a villain too to the Justice League, so you're fighting two different villains. But of course, this also, that idea, this theory also assumes that the only reason why they canned Snyder's version of the film was because of its length, which I don't think is why. There's also the other half of what you were talking about, which is there had been so much bad press about those previous films that they probably wanted to get away from Snyder for that reason too. Bringing, bringing Joss Whedon in was probably an easy way for be like, hey, look, we got the guy you like from the other movie, from the other studio. We got the Marvel like. guy. He can yeah. fix anything. Right, exactly. And so I also think that they went that direction for those reasons too, which means that in that, so maybe we wouldn't have never gotten any version of Snyder's version up until now. I don't think so because, no, I think you're right though, because yeah. getting... Warner Brothers as a studio would not and probably would never release a four-hour theatrical cut. To no, God, no. Because, <laughs> I mean, just for dollars alone, you can't have four-hour, you'd only no. get maybe three showings of a four-hour right. film a day. Yeah, the chains would freak out because they would have to do the thing that they did, well, they do anyways for these bigger releases, which is just basically kick out everything else and only play this one movie. And that makes a lot of other studios very upset. Right. So this thing could only exist in the streaming world. Yeah. Aside from it being cut up into two different parts. Right. Now, that's all the buildup just to get this <laughs> movie here. Yeah. Uh-huh. Does it pay off? Yes, but then again, it was always going to pay off because of the reshoots, because you had three years of critics just bashing mm -hmm. it and video essays saying what went wrong. And so you have three years to tinker with everything yeah. and to fix yeah. whatever was going to be yeah. considered wrong in the first movie that you could fix for this definitive edition Snyder Cut. Yeah, very few, just on paper, very few movies have the benefit of hindsight. This one has the benefit of hindsight, right? So you're always going to be able to look at something, a new version of the old thing and be like, well, it's better than the old thing because of course it is, because there's more of it. It's better, that allows it with like more freedom about time. So it allows it the freedom to kind of tackle some of the things directly that people complain about. So yeah, right. it has that benefit built in. And because I'm watching this through movie lenses <laughs> uh cinematic film school lenses 
Sure. I can see where, why, and how executives and editors mm -hmm. got together and cut down what this four-hour film is into yeah. the three-hour film that yeah. Joss Whedon presented with us. Yeah, because at the end of the day, movies are not comic books. Right. So adding all that stuff that they took out back in definitely does help. And I think it was always going to help. Mm -hmm. It just makes for a bad film. <laughs> Do you think it? Yeah. Because my first thought about when they, uh, when they said that this was going to be available on HBO Max was, is anybody going to care about this except for the people who already cared? And I think that as the answer to that question is still, yeah, that's it. It's a very niche thing, not only because of its length, but also because most people who saw Justice League didn't like it. So the only people who are gonna care about a new version of Justice League are the people who were invested enough in Justice League to care about a version of Justice League. And that's probably a percentage of a percentage at that point. You're whittling down the amount of people that are interested in this thing with every like every little bit of information you learn about it in a way. And so no, of course it's not gonna be a good movie. That's not what it's trying to be, right? Is it's trying to be this- Not. Yeah, it, it, it's, and it never was going to be. It's going to always be one thing, which is an apology for Justice League. That's all it's gonna be. Right, it's not a <laughs> film, whereas it is a, an expression of an expression of a vision that was yeah. never going to be seen had things gone right yeah. by right i mean had Zack right. snyder not had to leave because of yeah. his daughter so many things had to be different in the world for this movie to actually come out in its original form and none of those would have yeah were realistic i mean it's the tragedy like the in his life the uh, allow me to date myself here. Films, yeah. It's gonna. It's gonna be very similar to Blade Runner director's yeah. cut. Yeah. Where people liked Blade Runner and thought it was fine, and then director's cut came out and said, "Oh, you gotta watch this. It right. makes everything a lot better." But if you didn't have any care or thought or thought the first film, original film that they presented was meh, you're not gonna care that there's a director's cut that's supposedly better because yeah, your mind's already been made up. Yeah, except there's one critical difference to that, which is conversations 30 years from now, just like the conversations now of a Blade Runner, in it, the, the tone will be very different, though. It won't be, oh, Blade Runner's great. Oh, have you seen the director's cut? It's even better. The conversation in 30 years about this will be, man, Justice League sucks. Well, have you seen the, the director's cut? It's like slightly better. <laughs> it's going to be a different conversation. So, yeah. Me saying that it's not a film, but rather a vision <laughs> yeah. is pretty apt because it's not the two and a half hour film that you would expect to see. Right. Now what it adds, it adds greatly, enhanced everything. But at the same time, this stuff should have been presented, as I said, in a mm -hmm. previous film. So you get those backstories immediately and you don't have to spend the extra chunk in there explaining how everyone came to be. Yeah. The way you're describing it almost sounds like it's as if they took, as if Marvel had presented a Marvel movie, but before the movie plot started, they put all the shit that they have in that, what is that recap show that they have now? Marvel Legends? The Marvel Legends. Yeah, if they had put that content before the story started. 
or you put it within as flashbacks <laughs> yeah. to get to where you That's are. That's what it sounds like. Is that with the is that what more or less what this is? More or less, except it's like one, it's like the pivotal scene that makes them and it kind of explains like as I so as I mentioned that these are gods among men, it explains in further detail what they are technically gods of mm-hmm. with cyborg going more in depth being explained as the god of technology and hacking can hack anything with a wi-fi ip address Mm -hmm. uh the flash being the god of speed and time time and space (laughs) whatever god of running really fast well because he enters the speed force and he can go back in time if he runs really fast really 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 fast speed force it's a whole comic thing i yeah, no. Okay, not going to go into it. <laughs> uh, how Aquaman is the god of the sea. Of the water. Of, of talking to dolphins. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, uh, Wonder Woman is the god of, goddess of warriors. Sure. Being the best uh, that Edmundo has to offer. Mm-hmm. And the Superman is just god above gods because he's Superman. Because <laughs> he's Superman. And then there's Batman just trying to wrangle all of them together. Right. God of Humans, I guess, <laughs> is the best of the humans. World's greatest detective. Right, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so I guess the, the only question, I guess we kind of covered most of this. The only question I can think of is, did you enjoy watching this? I or did. did it feel like homework? I enjoyed it. <laughs> um, I did think it did feel long. It did feel like four hours watching it. Yeah, and it does at times feel like all this is that it has traditional uh, Zack Snyder slow mo sequences, which when you yeah, either gross. want to take those out or play them at regular speed, will severely cut your time in half. <laughs> Thank God. But I think I enjoyed watching it. I think it does fit in the narrative of the story he was trying to tell way back with Man of Steel and the story he was trying to get through with Batman v Superman. If it wasn't like severely hampered from producers and Warner Brothers trying to say, you need to keep this under three hours (laughs) because we will not play anything above it. Yeah. Oh boy. And then there's the aspect ratio. Yeah, so my understanding about this, and correct me if I'm wrong. You're wrong, but go ahead. <laughs> is that it's supposed to replicate a aspect ratio of an IMAX screen. Yes, it's 4-3 um, on purpose. Which means that it's meant for IMAX. That means on a television, it looks like a square. It looks like 4-3. And so there's like a whole thing at the beginning that says, Hey, yeah, we know it's four three. It's supposed to be. Don't worry, try to cool your jets. It it says that it's four three because that's what Snack Zider's Snack Zider. Okay, from now on, we're only calling him that. You know, Brewdries left, and now after making a new one. <laughs> oh, Snack Zider is so good. There, write that down for the, the name of the snack cider this week. Anyway, 
Right, because it was his original vision, unquote, unquote. But that's only because, I guess, the bulk of the film is filmed with IMAX cameras. Was that true? Yes. Okay. A bulk of it was filmed with uh, IMAX cameras, which is why 4-3 is the preferred aspect ratio. Yeah. Now, when they do eventually re-release this to IMAX, will I go and see it? All four hours of it? I doubt that you're going to see that. I, I may. If, That's the thing. Is the things like align. It's, it's runtime, I think, prohibits it from theatrical release. I think you're going to see yeah. a very like a special Blu-ray, like 4K Blu-ray release of this, but I don't think you see theatrical presentations. That's my guess. I think you see limited release, like fandom. Mm, maybe. Or Fandango kind of thing, where yeah. it's... Like th- these weekends, like these weekends yeah. only on IMAX only, not traditional yeah. screens. Hey, remember the Fathom event? That feels that, like such. That feels ancient now. Yep, Fathom events. Come back, maybe, unless that company went under. <laughs> Who can say? Warner Brothers exclusive IMAX events. Yeah. If you uh, work at Fathom events, give us a holler. Media Boat Podcast at gmail.com. <laughs> anyway. Anyways, yeah, I don't see this being a theatrical thing it's like i said keep saying i'll keep saying it this is not a movie yeah, it's a vision no, no. <laughs> it's a vision. and it's a would i like to see more of this yes did, yeah where do they go Jared... from here huh? do you think where do they go from it, here do they you, do you think further uh dc films will use any of the stuff introduced it's exclusively in this this cut of the film we're at a weird point yeah I feel like this is a divergence point, right? Is you either use the weed and cut as canon or you don't, right? Well, you have the weed and cut. You have the Snyder cut. Uh You have the new Batman coming out Uh with Robert Robert Pattinson. And I remember we... You have the Aquaman. We just had Wonder Woman 1984. Again, You have Aquaman 2 coming out. There's supposedly a cyborg yeah. and flash film in the works. So all of this is on the side, yeah, forefront of film from the DC CW universe. Right. So question. And again, correct me if I'm wrong, but I vaguely remember us reporting a story where somebody in the Warner management said something made some sort of statement along the lines of we don't really care about film continuity and there isn't one necessarily one universe so what we're talking about maybe doesn't matter because maybe their reason why they have so many disparate universes is because they don't give a shit what you're talking about is a crisis yeah <laughs> a crisis on infinite earths hey i've heard every that from Earth somewhere it before. is possible including <laughs> and i have to mention this because i just saw it yeah um the shazam battle among gods <laughs> and the dwayne johnson black adam Right. As well. Yeah, no, I think the real answer to this is, is you're right, is that answer, which is it's comic books. They'll figure out a way to make it make sense, even if it makes no sense at all, because that's the way these things work. You can literally have all of these universes combine without having to explain yourself because you're based on a comic book. It's the thing that Marvel can do, but they they're very careful not to do. The multiverse. Where even when fans start guessing about multiverses, they put a kibosh on that. Spoiler alert, but if you listen to our podcast about WandaVision, you already knew that spoiler. Yes. Anyway, but yeah, like, it's just, it seems like 
there's speaking of being di diametrically opposed on just the vision for their universes, that's another big difference, right? Marvel cares so much about canon, and DC just is like, I don't know, we have three Batman now. <laughs> well, there's also the uh, Birds of Prey, which came out right. last year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's too many. There's too many. How many? How many? So we're at least we have at least two, at least two Batman currently. We have at least three Jokers currently. We have two Supermen now from that new Superman and Lois show. Um, don't forget, there is the <laughs> upcoming. I'm not sure if it's this Batman or a different yeah. Batman, but a potential Batman Beyond film, right? Where uh, not Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton <laughs> is supposed to reprise his role as Batman, as adult Batman, right? Yes. Yeah, so there's that Batman in this somewhere as well. It's too complicated, and technically, we're going on a tangent here. So, any last any last uh, thoughts uh, about the Snyder Cut before we move on? I enjoyed it. I suggest <laughs> watching it if you're yeah. into that universe. Otherwise, it's a four hours yeah. of comic booky action. It's an investment, and that uh, you maybe won't won't pay off for you unless you're a very specific kind of person. Right. Yeah. Does the thing that is added to this to make this four hours film worth it? Is the changes that Zack Snyder had worth it? <laughs> Maybe. Yes. Yeah. If you're invested. Yeah. If you if didn't you care. care in the first place, you're not going to care now. It's not going to create new care for you. Right. Good to know. So yeah, just a couple, a pair of uh, not necessarily Media Boat recommends, but I guess Media Boat watch with asterisks, I guess, this week. Uh, of two, your mileage may vary. Mm -hmm. big, big, your mileage may vary week. Mm -hmm. But what your mileage will, will not vary on is, oh, is Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Uh, well, it, okay, real quick. I will briefly talk about this because it's, I got a bone to pick with this thing. Okay. So yeah, I guess they're doubling down on this, be, that them doing a 10 year anniversary re-release of Scott Pilgrim in Dolby Cinema but only in theaters and only for a week. And only in Dolby <laughs> Atmos, meaning AMC only. And in April. April so, 30th, like that weekend of April 30th. I don't know. A week. I think it's for a week. So yeah, I get why they wanted to wait until they thought that at least more people could see this. But I still think who's gonna who's gonna who's fighting to see this? I know it's a new version of a film that a lot of people still love. But who's going to want to go to a movie theater? Is now a bad time to tell you I bought you a ticket? <laughs> yes. It's a terrible time. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I feel like in an alternate universe when, that, when vaccinations were quicker, when states didn't just completely fold under restrictions like, like freaking Texas and Arizona, maybe I would be rosier about this, but we are not in shape for, for a limited engagement that's only going to be a week long. I just think it's bad timing. That I understand that they probably couldn't, for a similar reason as what you're saying about Disney and Black Widow, they probably couldn't push this back too much further because they would miss that 10-year window. But still, I'm not. I'm not thrilled about. That's okay. If you don't want to go to a movie, it will be coming out on Blu-ray 4K. 
Yeah, I still have my original Blu-ray of it, and that picture looks fine. So I don't, I don't, I'm still okay with, with. I don't necessarily need this in my life yet. Uh, All right, but what we need to do is move on. Yes, which was I was trying to do, but sorry. Okay, it's okay. No, I don't blame you. I blame um, Zach Snyder. I blame Edgar Wright. Anyways, you blame Snack Zider. (laughs) Delicious. He's he's tasty with that little dip. Moving on. Let's talk about television. We always start television with the sports corner. We have quite a lot of sports to talk about this week. Uh, NFL struck a deal, a new broadcasting deal. Yes. So our first story is actually a follow-up of sorts. We talked about how ESPN made their big hockey deal last week or two weeks ago, whatever that was. And this week, we have a new deal that they penned, as you said, with the NFL. Disney slash ESPN has reached a $2.7 billion slash 10-year deal. So for 10 years total. With the That's NFL 2.7 team, billion per year yeah. for 10 years. Oof. With the NFL to stream one exclusive national NFL game annually, beginning with the 2022 season. That seems like a lot of money for one game a year, but hey. But hey, there's more. The 2023 season will see an annual divisional playoff game, a 33% increase in regular season games going up to 23 per season, and Monday Night Football will add flex scheduling for Week 12 and beyond. They will also make a de- the part of the deal is also hosting two future Super Bowl games, the 2026 and the 2020 uh, 2030 games. So this seems like a long game. This is a hail mary pass of a deal, not necessarily a short run for a few yards. Uh, I think the winner here is one, the increase in games to 23 per season and the Monday night football flex because Monday night football used to be a a thing. It used to be an event. It used to be two heavy hitters, but since they pre-schedule it from the beginning, you can't have the divisional rivals going up against each other for the final playoff spot towards the end of the season, week 12 and beyond. That is a huge investment that they got because flex scheduling is big. They do it for the end of the season for night games, for NBC Sunday Night Football. About time they did it for Monday Night Football as well. <laughs> I think this is further proof that Disney, even though they were hemorrhaging money in the Parks Department over the course of last year and laying a lot of people off, they still have money to burn because that's the secret about Disney. They're not at all in need of money. It's just that they're being super, super picky about how they spend it. And here it's shown that they want to invest in sports because if anything, the last year has proven, it's that people love their sports so much that they will yell at you until you bring them back. <laughs> people will have cable just to yeah. watch the sports, which we're going to do in a minute here. Yeah, case in point. And so, yeah, it's, it's just, it's it, it, the amount of money that they're willing to spend on very limited NFL games is very telling with how big of an audience that's going to bring in. I think this is also a way to bolster ESPN Plus and try and make ESPN in general yeah. the place to go to for sports. All sports. It used, all sports. Yeah. It used to be that way in the 90s. You'd, right. you'd have to get ESPN to get sports. But now there's so many other competitors that, they need to do something to up their game and yeah. getting exclusive rights 
yeah. is the way to do that now. They're getting the wide world back together. Yes. <laughs> All right. Speaking of NFL deals, they're not the only one who made a deal with the league because Amazon Prime also got to the game. They're getting exclusive rights to Thursday night football for 10 years. So I need to ask they you a question took it from about Fox. This. Yeah, I was going to say, the question I have about this is exclusive. Does that mean the only way of seeing Thursday night games will be on Amazon Prime? Because for a while, there was a dual deal happening where one of the networks had the TV presentation for some of the games, but other of the games you couldn't get on there. Is that the case here? Or So specifically with Thursday night football, I think for the past two years, it was mm-hmm. CBS for the first half, yeah, Fox for the second half. Before that deal, it was just Fox Thursday Night Football. However, if it couldn't, even though if it was uh, either if it was on Fox or CBS for Thursday Night Football, you could still watch it on the NFL Network Thursday Night Football live. Right. It's unclear if that will still work here for the next yeah. ten years. I guess that's what I'm asking. Yeah. But if you want to watch a Thursday Night Football game, you have to watch it via Amazon Prime. Hmm. Until we figure out if it's available on NFL Network. <laughs> Yeah, until we see otherwise, it could be the case. Uh, I don't it know. could be the uh, case. It's an interesting deal. I mean, the Thursday games, I feel like it's always felt like an also-ran compared to the, the Monday and Sundays. But as you're saying, even Monday night has lost its luster. So I'm not surprised that these companies are making a deal to get any NFL games they can. Thursday night it usually involves the color rush uniforms. <laughs> yes. Oh, your favorite. Yeah. <laughs> The Christmas game and the ketchup and mustard game. <laughs> ketchup and mustard, I'm here. All right. Speaking of football, our last before we move on to other sports, the NFL draft will be held April 29th to May 1st in downtown Cleveland around First Energy Stadium, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and the Great Lakes Science Center. So get ready for draft. Trivia Which Great Lake are they talking about? <laughs> I don't know. You tell me. Lake Erie. Erie. So look for a spooky draft. Or look across and see Canada on the other side. Yeah. Um, And lastly, in NFL news, um, there is, as we previously reported, there will be no official pro day. Mm -hmm. But this week and next week, schools are doing their own pro days. Okay. So it's school specific. They're not sending everyone to Indianapolis to have pro day like they used to right makes sense moving on to the madness in march it's still happening so far people were getting mad oh yeah madness all over the ncaa tournament currently here's our headlines for you vcu forfeits because of coronavirus not surprised Oral Roberts, one of my favorite names for any of the, of the, of the schools, tops the Ohio State. Uh, yes, uh, the Ohio State was number two. Oral Roberts was named, uh, was ranked 15th. Yeah. So that was the big upset that broke literally all the brackets. Yeah. Um, uh, but that's not the only team that they bested. Is that how I'm supposed to read this? Um, no, so other upsets this week <laughs> oh. include Ohio, Northwestern, or Ohio, Abilene Christ, Christian, uh-huh. and Northwestern. 
all four of them were seated 12 or higher okay. all 12 all four of them made it into the second round the most has happened since the ncaa tournament dang then you also have something here that says women's weight room can you explain oh are you not up to date on the women's weight room scale? i must have i don't have i guess i don't follow enough people who care about march madness oh my gosh <laughs> okay all right so um Skip whatever I had written down because that's just going to be our story. Okay, I'm going to call an audible here. <laughs> no, that's the di- that's a different sport. That's a different sport. <laughs> All right, so this is this is big because this is going to be our story. Okay. Okay. Well, do we want to wrap up sports first? Yeah, let's wrap up sports real quick. Okay, so real quick. Um, meanwhile, in professional basketball, the NBA is currently seeking a 75 billion dollar over nine year package for their broadcasting rights. So soon we'll have a deal to talk about with a broadcaster about basketball's future. So look forward to that. And then for you race fans, NASCAR will have its first Cup Series dirt race since 1970 in Bristol, Tennessee. And that race is on Sunday. And that Bristol track is a half mile track. The short track is just all dirt. All All dirt. They they brought in dirt specifically to have a dirt race. Yeah. Okay, so now tell me about what's happening with weight rooms. Okay, so Title IX says women says that any athletic association with dealing with women's athletics specifically must have some equal representation to that of the men's athletics. Okay. NCAA puts on a tournament basketball. Um where they bring in all these teams from all these different teams from different schools together in a type of bubble to have to host their tournament. This is nothing new. Yeah. What is different is that the men's weight room looks like an Olympic-sized weight room where there's they took out a whole convention center, basically, and had racks and racks of weights of exercise equipment, of full court basketballs, just a lot of stuff that you would expect for an NCAA D1 put on type of event, you know, to keep these athletes in finely tuned athletic machine class. At the same time, as we reported last week that the men's is going on, the women's happens as well. What the women got for their weight room was one rack of dumbbell weights and 12 yoga mats. That's it? That's it. That was their weight room. And because this happened like on the first day that they got in, it blew up. How did people find out? Did stuff get posted on social media? TikTok. Okay, TikTok. TikTok that got went to Twitter that started the hashtag mm. and hashtag women's right room and yep just NCA just got put on Thanks. blast that this is how they treat their women's sports. How are they going to do only, anything about it? Not only that, not only for their weight room, but they also got put on blast for their gift bags, Ooh. which were half of what an, an account of what the men got. And the food, which for the women included a just 
boxed food, which looks terrible. Whereas the man got what some would call a buffet style of arrangement of different foods to choose from. Oh my. So, naturally, they got put on blast and the NCA quickly and swiftly tried to rectify this by providing them with an actual weight room uh, of materials to work with um, and better food. No word yet that I saw of on the gift bags and, and kind of the NCA swag. But the damage had already been done. You know, because once a yeah. picture goes out on social right. media, that's all people will see. That's all people will remember. And it's one school. Who knows what the other schools in the, in the organization mm-hmm. would be like. No, it wasn't one school. Well, that's what I'm saying, is that it, as soon as one goes out, it's going to just... Every, everybody's going to be talking about their school's setup. Right. right. Yeah. And so people were, and the, the athletes were talking about on social media, their experiences, what they've mm-hmm. experienced, mm-hmm. Uh, and the clear discrepancy between women's and men's basketball. <sighs> yeah. I mean, it's one of the things that's always been the case and just like has been underreported, probably. Um, I mean, it's probably a conversation to be had in these conversations that are happening right now about how the NCAA treats its students at all, right? They're, they're, they're student athletes. And I think that it's part and parcel with that conversation. Um, it's I just think it's more so because they had to physically build all of these, uh, these weight rooms from scratch. Yeah. And it's not like, hey, you're staying at this hotel, these, the local school, college is across the street or on campus. You can go there and use their weight room when you want to. They have to physically build these because of coronavirus. Right. So it's, yeah, it's even more complicated. It's rough. But not only that, people were going to the defense of the NCAA saying that, well, the women don't bring in money. So they, <laughs> why does it matter? that the men bring in a billion dollars, whereas the women bring in 35 million, and therefore they should get the better treatment because they get they bring more money for the NCAA and for colleges. And of course the answer to that is, is well, that means that we need to actually look at the big picture of how the NCAA does business. And like, why is that the case? Like, why, are, why is there so much money involved in this process? Because it's not just about like, oh, Whoever gets the revenue should be treated better. It's like, no, why is there, why is we, are we still having a discussion about revenue when the students are being so shafted in all ways possible? Well, not, well, one, the students <laughs> aren't getting paid. Right. That's what I'm saying. The amateurism. Right. Two, there should be some type of national collegiate right. athletic association to make sure that <laughs> something like this doesn't yeah. happen that men and women's sports are seen yeah. as equals. Right. It's like if they were doing their job, this would not be the case. You're right. It's a mess. The NCAA is a total mess, is basically the 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 big picture here. Yes. I will point out that a lot of people were pointing at Title IX saying that there shouldn't be discrepancies. So we're actually maybe do some research into what Title IX says. Mm-hmm. And it's anything that is federally funded can't be 
um, disparaged based on gender. Right. So, but this is the NCA tournament which they yeah. put on. So, so technically, it yeah. falls outside of that jurisdiction. But I think that what it does is, though, it gives a good guideline about what you should be doing in a yes. moral organization. I think that's the thing. So that uh, that argument does not necessarily like hold water. Um, because if you're in an organization that has such a big national stage, you should also be adhering to the same rules. Right. But like I said, if you're the governing body for collegiate athletes, then you should want to see, <laughs> you know, not just women, but mm-hmm. all sports get yeah. a fair shot yeah. and be treated as equals. Yep. 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 Oh boy. Yeah, there's a lot in there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes, I will state here that men's football and men's basketball bring in the bulk of revenue for right. collegiate sports. That being said, like we saw last year when schools started shutting down sports because they couldn't fund them, it's up to a bigger body of athletic association Mm -hmm. to make sure that these sports are funded and that the money, which is supposed to come from a nonprofit institution, gets properly funded to the athletes. Yeah, it's going to take a huge change in the way that they operate for these things to get solved in the long run. And I hope that they get started because there's a lot of issues. So mark this down for another L (laughs) for NCAA. For sure, for sure. Which we continuously cover into the terrible organization that they are. Yeah, pretty much. Yep. Okay, with that done, I'm going to roll your other story that we skipped here into the bits. I'm just going to do a lightning round here. So first up, we have television bits for you. And first up in the bits is what was originally your first story here. Writers Guild of America has hosted its awards for writing from the past year. Screenplay winners include Promising Young Woman for Original Screenplay, Borat 2 for Adapted, and The Dissident for Documentary. Winners for their television categories include The Crown for Drama, Ted Lasso for Comedy and New Series, Hell Yeah. Hell Yeah. Mrs. America, uh, did I skip? No, I didn't skip a line. No. Mrs. America for Original, I guess, script in general, yes. uh, The Queen's Gambit for adapted script, and hashtag free Rayshon for short form. That will be Quibi's last award, I promise. <laughs> we'll see, right? <laughs> Jesus and Mero won for Variety Talk Series, and Stephen Colbert's Election Night 2020 special won for Variety Special. And meanwhile, for game shows, Weakest Link won for Quiz Show category. So congratulations to the WGA winners. Congratulations on your awards. Yeah. Now, let's talk about the bad side for WGA. Or actually, the good side. This is good for WGA. <laughs> yeah, it's good. Nine writers have gone on strike against the show The Chase, citing refusal to abide by some of the terms of the collective bargaining agreement that covers the show. So, yeah, solidarity to those writers yes, and hope they get their terms. This is WGA East, mm-hmm. but still Writers Guild in general. Yeah. And so, if they're not meeting their your conditions... This is what guilds are for. This is what unions are for. This is when you go on strike. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, Jay Leno is in the news this week for apologizing for jokes in his history of being a comedian, and I guess specifically on his late night program, 
that targeted Asian communities. He said, quote, too many times I side with screw them if they can't take a joke, even when in my heart I knew it was wrong. I'm, I'm divided on this. I feel like it's a little too late, Jay Leno. He has been on TV time, for 10 years plus. Right. But at the same time, though, if you look back, these jokes were commonplace pretty much in every kind of comedy that you had. It wasn't just Jay Leno. It's just that comedy was in a very different place in that era. And it's taken way, way too long for us to move away from those kinds of jokes about all sorts of people, but especially Asian Americans and Black Americans. So I don't know, we're getting there, baby steps. But yeah, comedy was in a dark place in the aughts, uh, let me tell you. <laughs> It'll be a big step when Jay Leno comes out for his jokes against Monica Lewinsky. On oh a nightly boy, basis. yeah, no, he has a lot of apologize, apologies to make, I think, is, is the, the bottom line there. <laughs> anyway, meanwhile, Issa Rae has inked a $40 million five-year deal for film and TV with Warner Media, giving HBO, HBO Max, and Warner Brothers exclusive rights and first book deals. She has been signed with Warner since back in 2016. I guess it's successful enough for them to keep her on board. She signed in 2016 for two years, renewed it in 2018 for three years, and here she is, 2021, renewed for eight years. That is keep, some good job security. Keep rolling with it. Yeah. This, I mean, she seems to be doing good work over there. Meanwhile, on Fox, The Simpsons passed another milestone, 700, 700 episodes in the books for The Simpsons. And as we noted a couple episodes ago, they've been renewed for two more seasons. So it just keeps on going. Yep. Just pointing out that 700 have officially aired. Mm -hmm. um, they did the thing this past week where they had to recorrect their timeline to how old they are. <laughs> right. They're constantly having to move the dial back. So now I think that Homer had like a 90s rap phase. I only saw like screenshots of this episode. So... Uh, <laughs> this was supposedly take place in like the late aughts because <laughs> Uber was there. <laughs> oh, my brain hurts. Uh, yeah, I have not gone to some more recent episodes of that show, but hey, they got to do what they got to do to keep it going, I guess. Yep. And lastly, in the bits for television here, Roku has added all sorts of episodes, 1500 to be specific, of This Old House starring Bob Vila. So to its catalog of weird odds and ends on their network, or not network, they're like collection Stream. of weird clips. Yeah. Um, so yeah, if you want to watch, just zone out to as, as clips of this old house and fall asleep to Bob Vila's dulcet tones, now you can. This also applies to any current season where it will air first on PBS <laughs> yeah. and then the next day air on Roku or be available. <laughs> there you on go. Roku. I guess if you're grandmother uh, tells you about Roku, you can direct her towards this. Or you can give your grandma a Roku for <laughs> yeah. her birthday or Christmas and like, here, okay. now you have all this access to streaming. This is the Bob Ross channel and this is the old <laughs> this old house channel. Anyway. Uh, all that's missing is Antiques Roadshow. I'm sure that that'll happen at some point. I'm sure it will. Alright, let's move on to television thoughts. We just got a couple this week. One a big one and one, one we talked about last week, I guess, a little bit. And both of these will be quick because they're incomplete. Well, yeah, the thing about uh, whenever we talk about the beginning of something is that we keep the big discussion for the end. So I watched one of these. Can you guess which one? <laughs> the answer may surprise you. I'm guessing it's the Falcon and the Winter Soldier because it's a yeah. big plus. Yeah, I did. So um, 
Yeah, so this is the big next big Marvel show on Disney Plus following WandaVision. We talked pretty positively about WandaVision. We thought overall it was a successful try at a television format uh, for the Marvel stories. And it had a unique gimmick that kind of kept it interesting for the bulk of it to people who may not uh, be interested in the Marvel mythos overall. This is the opposite of that. This Total is whiplash. Yeah, this is right from the beginning. You have to one, know and be caught up with where everybody is in the Marvel timeline right now. And two, you have to be invested in the characters in order to care about anything that's happening here. They do a little bit of emotional work to be like, oh, but look at these personal problems and struggles that these people are going through. But then it reminds you by the end of the episode, oh, but but that's not really what this is about. This is really about the superhero angle and being an action show. And if that's what you want, you're going to be happy. And if that's not what you want, well, them is the Briggs. <laughs> and that's Falcon and the Winter Soldier for me, at least. So Anthony and Joe, Joe and Anthony Russo of the Russo brothers kind of made their claim to fame with with uh Falcon and the Winter Soldier. The Winter with Soldier. The Winter Soldier. Yeah, Captain America, the Captain Winter America, Soldier. Avengers. Captain America, Civil War, and then yeah. Avengers, Endgame, and Infinity War. So there is a specific style that they've kind of nailed for Captain America, and that's what this is. This is that. If you like those Captain America movies and the style of Joe and Anthony Russo, it's this style in TV format. Yeah. It what you pre- can claim yeah. they did with Community or Arrested Development, <laughs> but they don't. But those don't have the Marvel budget action sequences right. that this has. This is the thing that everybody who was disappointed by Wandavision because it didn't have enough action. This is the this is the show that they wanted. Yes. Right from the beginning of this thing, you get a huge action set piece. You get all the military porn you could ask for, you know, for better or for worse. And uh, yeah, and you get that like pseudo patriotism. Were you not aroused by the talk of Syrian airspace? No, <laughs> no, 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 not at all. From minute one of this thing, I was like, oh boy, they're gonna have to hard sell me on this for me to watch more than this episode. Uh, because yeah, this is just not the kind of thing Marvel Entertainment that I personally want. For for instance. I had missed Winter Soldier uh, when it came out and didn't see it until a few years later. And when I did finally watch it, I was bored out of my mind at that movie. I didn't like it. And people still to this day are like, oh, that's one of the best Marvel movies. It's just not for me. That kind of military espionage drama does very little for me. The Marvel this is movies, why I always say Guardians yeah. of the Galaxy is my favorite film. Exactly. The Marvel movies that actually have like a sense of humor and like an emotional tinge to them uh work better for me like i like the guardians movies i liked thor ragnarok i like black panther and when you lose that and gotta go really to that what i was gonna kind of go on a tangent on which is that pseudo patriotism thing i'm like "Uh, you're losing me guys you're losing my like patience um and this i feel like is gonna be uh nine episodes of it yeah it is only gonna be nine episodes so we'll talk about this in eight weeks what'd you think though because you're more i feel like you're more in in line of with the expected audience for this thing i liked it but i also like that it's not the same as wandavision you're not going to get the yeah. oh here's the breakdown of 
every episode because everything has a hidden <laughs> meaning and it's like a twilight right, episode right. puzzle that you're trying to fix finish yeah no it's the sit back we're gonna throw a bunch of stuff at you and it will all be wrapped up in the end mm-hmm. you just need to sit, sit back and watch it yeah so in that case yes i like that it's more of a relaxed version of a marvel film yeah yeah right with a bigger wider serialized storyline that they're going to have a lot more time to discuss things Mm -hmm. and maybe that will give them more time for those character moments there are hints in this episode that they are going to spend some quality time with the characters and get to know them i mean one of the characters is straight up in therapy in this thing and so that's the vibe that at least they want you to like at least has some of like takes up some space in the narrative is that they're allowing some character development to happen here, but still giving you all those set pe- action set pieces. It may be the first episode, but I am waiting for when these two characters, the Falcon and the Winter <laughs> Soldier, appear on screen at the same time. <laughs> it'll happen, it'll happen, because it's even in the trailers they've been showing is that yes. they are going to meet in person. It's, it's going to be a buddy thing. I only know that because one of the genres on Disney Plus for this is Buddy. And I was like, that's funny. <laughs> um, that's to not a full day of that first episode. So yeah, not at all. Um, so yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a work in progress. We'll report back when you finish this thing. Because yeah, like I said, I'm probably out. WandaVision kept me with the gimmick. And I don't know if this one has enough for me to stick around. So. And it's perfectly fine. So that's so perfectly fine as the other thing you watch, or at least the person at the heart of it. Yes. Yeah, so I have vocally, longtime listeners of the show <laughs> will know my disdain, <laughs> my uneasiness uh-huh. with celebrating anything that has to deal with Demi Lovato. It's, hmm, I think it's a rough course. She, there are things that I think can be celebrated about Demi Lovato. I think that she's gone through some harsh times and has triumphed over them maybe temporarily sometimes, but still, that's still some sort of triumph, I think, that you can chalk up. Yes, and then in 2018, when she <laughs> OD'd again, just yeah. lost all that goodwill that she built up for six years or whatever. I think, well, okay, when you talk about addiction... It's there's a really tough tightrope walk to walk, and it is that addiction is a disorder. It is not something that necessarily somebody always does to themselves. It's not always earned, I guess you could say, for lack of a better term. It's not A to B, right? It's it's a more complex thing. It's like alcoholism is the same thing, where addiction is a complicated beast that it should be viewed as a health problem and not necessarily a personal responsibility thing because there are so many other additional layers to it right there's of course you have to keep in mind the accessibility of these drugs the lack of government response to actually have these health solutions available to addicts having these things locked up in the um the the u.s health system to people who can't afford it for example it's such a big beast that's very hard for me, and I don't think that it, that people should immediately say all the blame and onus goes on the addict because that's not the whole picture. So I think when you're talking about somebody who is in the line, like in the spotlight, like Demi, it's very easy to fall into that trap and just be like, "Oh well, it's just a story of another celebrity who burned out." It's more complex. 
So I don't want to necessarily go as far to be like, well, she's just the worst and she's irredeemable at this point. But it's very, very true. And I think what you're getting at here is that she's very, very complicated. And to talk about her is to talk like is to walk a minefield because it's so complex. And it's so complex that you essentially just nailed the exact vibe <laughs> that this documentary is going for. <laughs> yeah, and that's kind of the vibe I got from the teasers they've been showing, which is very much like she's going to tell you the honest truth. And that's going to be hard to hear sometimes. So here's, so the full title is Demi Lovato, colon, Dancing with the Devil. Mm-hmm. And this chronicles unreleased documentary footage that she was putting together from her tour leading up to and prior to, including the day of her OD in 2018. Mm-hmm. It goes into that. And then this is her documentary explaining what happened since then unreleased footage from that documentary and kind of how she fell into that spot, how she is and kind of the redemption arc that she wants to put herself on, that she knows she messed up. She goes into in a very uncensored and unapologetic way, not just with her, but with her friends at the time with everyone she was close to, best friends, people who are around her, family members as well. It's a very hard look at that addiction and at that fall for Mm -hmm. her. From YouTube. Yeah, out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, So after kind of in the wake of seeing these other documentaries about similar age group uh, young women who are in the limelight, that includes the most recent one with Billie Eilish, includes Miss Americana with Taylor Swift, includes the Frame Britney Spears documentary um, short. In kind of the wake of that, how do you think that this compares? This Is this almost like the dark side of that story? Like when things go the ultimate wrong, is this maybe an example of that? This falls more in line with that Britney Spears uh, documentary where it's not all happy sunshine. It's here's what happened here's my take on it here's what here's the here are the questions here are the answers that you wanted here are the answers to the questions you keep asking me and then on the side to all the other external interviews it's here's all the here's their take on how they now feel about Demi being two years removed from the incident It's only two episodes right now. You can watch them on Demi Lovato's actual channel. Okay. But it's a six-part documentary. They'll be rolled out through YouTube on, I assume, now a weekly basis. The next one's not supposed to air until next week. So, okay. Yeah. Uh, friend, friend of the show, Christy, has also watched this first two parts. She plans on finishing it as well. Maybe I can try to get her on the show to talk about it. Um, but, uh, yeah, we'll see. Uh, but yeah, I'm interested to see where it goes. Uh, I'll maybe if I have time, try to check it out, but we'll see. <laughs> yep. All right. Any other things that we want to talk about with television? Anything no, because we got to keep moving on. Got to keep moving. So let's move on. It's cancellations and renewals. You didn't say it. What were my long watching? 
Thank you. <laughs> First up, Sci-Fi is renewing Resident Alien, the show that you just talked about last week. Which I kept saying was on TVS, but I guess it's on right. Sci-Fi. Wrong, I guess. Uh, for a it's on, it's on so, a Peacock as well, if you want to watch it there. So there you go. But the CW has canceled Burden of Truth after four seasons, so no more of that. Speaking uh, of Peacock. Season has been shot. It will just air eventually. No ah, timeline for it. No schedule. Okay. Peacock is has renewed the Amber Ruffin show for another season. Um, have, uh, six months. Six more months. Six more so months. we'll take it through the end of the year. Got it. Okay. Congratulations to her. NBC is renewing Mr. Mayor after a little bit of a COVID uh, break for that show for his, its second season. And FX is bringing back Snowfall for a fifth season. Next up, deaths. We have quite a bit, quite a few this week, so let's get through them here. First up, Dick Hoyt, age 80, marathon and triathlon runner. Next so, up. Yeah, okay. so this is kind of a special one. Um, Real Sports had done a documentary on them or spotlighted them three different times. Uh-huh. Dick Hoyt's son is paralyzed. Oh, okay. He has cerebral palsy. Mm-hmm. Um, but in order to keep his son active and motivated, he, him, and Dick Hoyt and his son run these marathons. There, Dick Hoyt, Dick Hoyt pushes his son and oh. pulls him and rides with them through these marathon and triathlons. And it's okay. an amazing story. Definitely, if you're into any heartwarming sports stories, look into this uh, Dick Hoyt and Team Hoyt. Okay. Like, I'm kind of welling up thinking about it. It's, it's a very powerful story of yeah. a father and son okay. who overcome tremendous odds. Well, I guess uh, condolences to his family, and I hope his uh, sons continues to succeed. Next up. W. Kent Taylor, age 65, founder slash CEO of Texas Roadhouse. That's not really Delicious. our purview, but sure. Delicious. Next up, Barry Orton, age 62, a professional wrestler in the WWF, ICW, and Stampede Wrestling. The uncle of current WWE <laughs> champion, Randy Orton. Yeah, makes sense. Next up, Elgin Baylor age 86, Hall of Fame basketball player for Minneapolis slash LA Lakers, was there for the transfer, I guess. Yes. Coach of the New Orleans Jazz and executive for the LA Clippers. So lifer in the National Basketball League. Right. Note that is coach for the New Orleans Jazz before they moved to Utah and before the Pelicans came in. (laughs) (laughs) All over the place. And then lastly, George Siegel, age 87, actor who's afraid of Virginia Woolf, just shoot me, the Goldbergs, and a touch of class. I think most recently people know him from the Goldbergs. Yes, he was the grandpa in the Goldbergs. Um, They just wrapped season eight. So assume season nine will open with his death. Yeah. That will do it for the death. So we'll flip this over to you and we'll talk about some music, why don't we? All right, well, we start music with the billboard, and we start the billboard with the Hot 100. And the hottest song in the land right now is Pixar's Up. I'm sorry, that's Cardi B's Up. Finally, dethroning 
Olivia Rodrigo's driver's license from number one. Uh, that was dethroned last week. Oh, yeah, uh, you're right. Because Drake, uh, Drake's three right. songs. I forgot about the Drake week because it was a weird week. Yep. At number two, Leave the Door Open by Silk Sonic. Okay. At three, Driver's License by yes. Olivia Rodrigo. At four, What's Next by Drake. <laughs> and at five, Save Your Tears by The Weeknd. As for your albums chart, your Billboard 200, your number one album, and reigning champion, still the number one album yeah. of the week, Dangerous colon, the double album by Morgan Wallen. Unfortunately, this sets a record. We will get to that in the music bits in a moment. I'll just tell you right now, it's 10 weeks. Yeah. <laughs> 10 weeks at number one, third record to do so. <sighs> and we can move on from it. Yeah. Please, please, someone put on an album to move on from it. <laughs> please. At you. number two, Shoot for the Stars, Aim for the Moon <laughs> by Pop Smoke. At three, Getting the Grammy Bump, yep. Future Nostalgia by Dua bump. Lipa. At four, not getting the Grammy bump. <laughs> After Hours by The Weeknd. And we're going to get your top five when it's all said and done. Dot, dot, dot. Take Time by Gibeon. <laughs> yeah. If but you do, I was just going to say what you were just going to say. If you didn't like any of those albums, yeah. we have new releases. Hey, good. Go Are for it. say it? <laughs> what am I listening to this week? I don't know what you're listening to, <laughs> but here are the new releases. All right. Cherry, not, not the film, <laughs> not the maraschino. Yeah. Album, not Buck Cherry. <laughs> Cherry by Anna Fox Rachinsky. She was the lead singer of indie band Quilt. This is her first solo record. Okay. Uh, we also have Is Four Lovers by <laughs> Death from Above. 1979. Mm -hmm. The Bitter Truth by Evanescence. Yes, yes that Evanescence. Evanescence. <laughs> Who by Fire by First Aid Kit. Promises by Floating Points and Pharaoh Sanders. Deacon by Serpent with Feet. <laughs> Green to Gold by The Antlers. And lastly, Sketchy by Tune Yards. Yep. With some funky spelling. <laughs> yes. Imagine typing that. Yep. Well, <laughs> we're really running out of time here, so we got music. <laughs> Good thing that we got bits. <laughs> yep. Uh, first up in the bits, the National Registry uh, adds Nas's Illum Illmatic and mm -hmm. Janet Jackson's Rhythm Nation, 1814, and Kermit the Frogs over <laughs> the rainbow. Yeah, I didn't have space for all of them, but yeah, those were the two big records that were added to the National Registry. Or, sorry, not over the rainbow, Rainbow Connection. Rainbow Connection saying. is what you're thinking. Yes. So yeah, uh, in case you don't know, just real quick, National Registry adds whatever they deem like culturally important to American like culture. Uh, every year and new media is added. So this was this year's um, year in music. Yep, we also had Taylor Swift dropping a new Fearless um, version. Track you all over me tomorrow. Yes, that drops tomorrow. Um, I'm sorry, uh, the track is called You All yeah, Over you Me. You All Over Me. So that will, will drop debut tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow uh, on Thursday. Uh, 
The only notable thing about this is it seems to be produced by her, um, by Erin Dessner, her folklore and evermore collaborator. So it looks like she's, because they are not on the previous record, she's using some of that leeway to do completely new versions of those unreleased songs, as opposed to the album versions, which will be closer to their original form. So interesting. Okay. We also have an indie label secretly group, uh, group union launches. Launches union. Called the Secretly Group, and they're launching a union. <laughs> yes. Union for a music group, which includes yeah. labels, Secretly Canadian, Jag Jaguar, Dead Oceans, and Ghostly International. Yeah, if you're familiar at all with some indie uh, art, uh, labels, these are really popular labels with a lot of artists on them. For example, Dead Oceans is where Phoebe Bridgers is signed. Um, and this is cool because... Um, Unionized labels are going to be able to um, help their artists more and more as we get more difficult to um, to kind of find work and touring. So uh, this is only good. Uh, the more unions and music, the better. Yep, because um, as we mentioned, unions yeah. will get you better pay. <laughs> yes, they help. Um, yeah. uh, Andrew Lloyd Weber, Gregorio Morder, Giorgio. Giorgio Moroder <laughs> and others sign an open letter asking for more pay for songwriters. Yeah, uh, they're among a lot of signees for this thing. Uh, but yeah, it's for the songwriters, uh, basically uh, for songwriters to be credited more and earn more money for their writing. So. I feel like we went through this two yes. years ago. We did. <laughs> so clearly nothing has happened since. Yeah. Speaking of things that haven't happened since, <laughs> Amoeba Music will be opening a new Hollywood location on April 1st. This, this is, is not a, a joke. Yeah, this is a follow-up to our previous story about them shutting down the popular Sunset Strip store. They, they announced at that point that eventually they would move that store's location to a different place in Hollywood, and this is that new store. Yep. Uh, Tencent and Warner Media will be launching a joining... A joint that that label. should be joint... Joint, joint label. label in yeah. China. Note, this is specifically for China. Right, yes. And lastly, in a more personal news. <laughs> uh, this affects you. This affects me personally, actually, because I <laughs> talked about it earlier this week. Yes. Uh, Kenny Chesney will move his 2021 stadium tour, which is supposed to be 2020 stadium tour, to 2022. Yeah. Um, because... The only way you get Kenny Chesney and all those artists to appear is if you pack a stadium and you can't do that yet at 25% capacity. Indeed. Uh, um, also, if we didn't cover it, um, I'm not sure if we did, but this just also means that Stagecoach officially canceled for this right. year. Yes. We think we said that they canceled um, for April, but they said that they wouldn't do an October release either. Yeah. They're punting to 2022. Yes. Like most artists are. Everybody, yeah. Okay. All right, so we listened to some stuff. Yeah, uh, I listened to two out of the three that you did. I, so I can take a guess of which one that you didn't listen to. That I to. didn't listen to? Yes, T tell me about the Midland record. So Midland not only released a record, but a documentary titled okay. The Sonic Ranch, or Midland colon The Sonic Ranch. Mm -hmm. And it is the... Or, an origin story of the band forming as they formed 
literally while they were making this record, meaning that the Sonic Ranch is not new music. Okay. This is original unreleased recordings and anything that was performed that hadn't been released either. Also some variation on released songs like 14 Years. And it definitely sounds like an origin album. It's very rough, yeah. but there are a lot of hints of what Midland eventually would release. Oh, cool. So if you like Midland, as much as I do, you'll get a mm-hmm. kick out of it. If you don't like Midland, this may be a bit of a bore, especially the documentary, yeah. because it doesn't really add a whole lot of anything. It's just a very behind-the-scenes creative yeah. way of making an album. Yeah, if you like demos and you want some behind-the-scenes peek, then yeah, this is for you. Yeah. So, you know the scene in Bohemian Rhapsody where they go to the farm to make the uh, Night at the Opera record? Sure. Take that 10-minute scene, stretch it out to 40 minutes with added <laughs> interstitials um, dialogue, yeah. talking about like their backstories. Or, and that's pretty much what this documentary is. Or alternatively, the scene from the end of Popstar where they reunited his farm yes. and they, get, they write a song for the first time in 20 years. <laughs> Yes, and they just, yes, it's like that. So you see the creative, yes, the probably the, the more, the more tasteful one of those. <laughs> Man, I love Popstar. I want to watch Popstar again. Anyway. Anyways. Yeah, it's a EP of unreleased song, but I guess since they can't actually get into a studio and put out a new album, this mm. is what they did instead. Good, good choice. Yeah. Speaking of Popstar, though. <laughs> so, the ripoff of Popstar, or the inspiration, uh, rather. Yeah, the inspiration. Justin Bieber put on an album as well. Yeah, let's get this one over with, because this is probably the one that I don't want to dwell on too long. Yes. So, this is titled Justice. Yeah. And if you've never heard of Justin Bieber, or this is your first <laughs> record into him, you might think it's okay. Yeah, maybe. Uh, this thing is weird. For a lot of reasons. Yes. It's weird, one, because he was just got done, he just got done complaining that he wasn't up for an R&B award for his previous record. Because oh, this thing is heavy bad. R&B, though. <laughs> but that's the thing, is it, though? Because I feel like this thing feels more like a pop record to me. So it's almost like he's course-correcting already from that. But you I'm have... like, okay, so what Justin Bieber are we getting here if he wants to pretend to be an R&B artist when he's making another pop record. So that's... But you have a lot of guest artists on it, this, though. Yeah, there's a lot of guest spots. So that's kind of one reason why it's weird. The other reason why it's weird is the name Justice and the fact that he wants to put in snippets of speeches by Martin Luther King Jr. Yes. In this thing seems to suggest that this is going to be some sort of political statement record or social statement record. But it's not at all. It's not. Even the quote that he chooses from Martin Luther King Jr. is he managed to find the one time Martin Luther King Jr. was not talking about race at all. That's how he could fit it in. (laughs) I was just like, what are you doing, Justin? What 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 are you trying to say by naming this thing justice? Are you just trying to capitalize on a movement? So anyways... It's very distracting. Overall, though, I thought this was overly long, as most modern pop records are. And just kind of like, yeah, we get it, Justin. Like, there's an occasional good hook on this. The guest spots don't really work for me. 
there's nothing memorable about this record. I thought it was a boring thing. I didn't hate it. Mm-hmm. I'm also I didn't hate it. I didn't really remember it. Uh, Holy, I think is the only song that I liked on there. Because but that Chance was already the Rapper, a single. and that's because Chance the Rapper just so much Chance work the making it, it likable is that, that Justin basically adopts the Chance songwriting method, and it's very much a Chance song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't know. It's just boring. It's 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 Justin Bieber. Doing Justin Bieber. Oh, the last thing I want to talk about though is the last track on this thing is basically Justin Bieber whining about how lonely he is. <laughs> so I didn't get that from a narrative standpoint where he's talked in the beginning of the album, he's talking uh-huh. about how much he has loved, how much love he has to give. Which, yeah, going off of last week, our discussion about the Marital Bliss record. This starts off like that. Uh, for, for a while, I was like, oh, this is Justin's Marital Bliss record. But then it kind of loses that plot. As right, especially out. when you get to the end when he's yeah. says he's just a very lonely person. <laughs> so that track, I found out later, is a Phineas joint hmm. to make things even weirder. Um, and two, just seems really weird because I feel like he had to work with Phineas because those are the only people that are still sympathetic to Justin Bieber at this point. <laughs> if you watch the Billie Eilish documentary, you can see that both him and Billie have affinity for Justin and their whole family actually has some sort of, I guess, apologist narrative about Justin and his career. And so, but to me, hearing that song just makes me think of, come on, Justin, do not take the freaking victim play the victim here you're extremely successful <laughs> like i don't know it just felt weird to me and maudlin in a way and i was just like no one believes you except i guess maybe billy and phineas at this point you think this album would have worked better if it was just a tattoo on his body <laughs> yeah. also real this isn't i should have put this in my music bits but um the uh, EDM artist Justice has sued Justin Bieber because the co- cover of this album looks exactly like their logo. <laughs> Fun fact. Fun fact. I'm going to add it. All right. I'm going to add that while we talk yeah. about your artist of the year last year. Uh, was that well, last year? Two years that ago? That was 2019. Yes, so your album the, of the year. So here's the thing. Just like Justin Bieber has largely like... Uh, maybe made it more difficult to like him over the course of his career. This last year of Alana Del Rey has also kind of made it more difficult to uh, like her. After putting out a record in 2019 that topped a lot of people's lists of best records of the year, and I do admit, although it was not number one for my year, uh, definitely was in my top five and I enjoyed a lot, especially considering I didn't really care for Lana beforehand. Uh... This is a big disappointment, I think, in a lot of ways, not only because of the way she's behaved herself at the pre- like to the press this last year, but also just because this record is kind of boring and languid and does not give you that adrenaline via the production like it did on the last record. So Norman fucking Rockwell, the last record, was a Grammy-nominated record for Album of the Year that year. It was good. And I'm not just saying that because it was critically lauded at the time. If you even go back to that and compare it to this record, it's legitimately good. This thing is a pale imitation. And I don't know what happened. 
she went back to her ethereal kind of style. The yeah. even the opening track is very a low kind of a whisper track. It almost is. like she has a throat lozenge. She's up in her higher register the whole time, which she doesn't often do. And it just comes off really strange. And maybe that's what she's going for. Um, I think there is a reading that you could take of this record that she maybe did want to go back to basics, unquote, which for her was kind of the style of the records that led to uh, the last one. And what it led to me think is like, well, I didn't like those and thus I don't really like this. Uh, Jack Antonoff is back as producer here, which is interesting because this is not very Jack, on Jack Antonoff-y, especially coming off of the Folklore Evermore sound, the songs that he did work on, that is. Um, it's lacking that punch that he is known to give. It's ornate, but not in an ornate orchestral way that really um, makes you go, wow, this is really impressive. It's just the kind that is more like window dressing and like music that you can put on in the background. Um, not I mean, to say it's- You're not wrong. I not to say drove around bad. listening to this album and then it was done, yeah. I was like, oh, it ended. It's not bad. It's just kind of there is kind of the way I guess I would put it. Yeah, you're right. It's, it's something that you're like, you kind of put on and you're like, oh, I guess I'm sort of listening to this. I'm sort of paying attention. And every once in a while, Lana will say something that I'm like, that's a weird lyric, because of course, that's the trade trademark of Lana Del Rey. Like that one song where she name drops Kings of Leon. <laughs> I'm like, sure, okay. <laughs> sure, Lana. Um, so yeah, I'm, I was disappointed in it. It's not great, it's not bad, but it's like somewhere in the middle and I just wasn't expecting that. And so yeah, this is, will not be nearly as critically acclaimed. So I like this album better than I'd liked um, Norman fucking Rockwell. What? But then again, if we go back and rewind the tape, yeah. I didn't really like Norman fucking yes. Rockwell. Fair. So maybe it's the course correction for me, audience, and not necessarily for you, audience. And maybe, but again, of course, this is all on the back, like basically with the background of Lana making an ass of herself for the last 12 months. And so it's even harder, I guess, to kind of go up to the plate for her, especially now, because the most recent thing she said was, oh, well, my next record is going to tackle specifically the pe people's criticism of me. And I'm like, oh boy, get ready for that. Right. <laughs> so prepare yourselves because it's only going to get worse. I mean, we're all prepared when we get there. Yeah, when we get there. But as for this one, pass. We never actually said the name of it. Chemtrails Over the Country Club. Oh. Uh, and yeah, your reaction to that name is probably going to give you whatever your reaction to this record is. Right. So these are three duds for uh, music that... Not necessarily duds, but yeah, like weird choices, I guess, from all three of these artists. Midland, probably the best choice here uh, because yes. it's just repurposing of their existing catalog. But as for Justin and Lana, it's like, like weird choices for where they're at in their careers right now, I think is what I would say. Yeah. Um, like I said, if you're into country and you're into Midland... There's mm -hmm. stuff on that album you will like. Yeah. But then again, if you're into either Just Be or Lana Del Rey, I'm sure there's songs on there that you will like yeah. as well. There's singles on both of these things. Mileage may vary yet mileage again. Mileage may vary. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, oh, we're not at two hours yet. 
Oh my gosh. We have time. We have time for video games. There's always we time always have time for video games. games. <laughs> <laughs> so we start video games with new releases. First up, like I thought I already mentioned this. Yakuza, oh no, this is a different one. Yakuza 6, <laughs> colon, The Song of Life for Xbox so, One and PC. Real quick, there's going to be a lot of games on this list. And the reason is, is because March 31st is the last day of the fiscal year. So everybody had to push their games out, even if they weren't quite done. Also, there's a lot of ports on this list, too. Yep. Um, we also have Evil Inside for the PS4, PS5, and PC. Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2 for PS5 and Xbox Series X. That's also another thing is that because this is officially spring, mm -hmm. that anything that was slated for spring 2021 <laughs> can come out now. Yep. <laughs> or like I said, it was due in like early 2021. This is technically the end of early 2021. Yeah, early 2021. That ends here. We also have Space Base Startopia for <laughs> PS4, PS5, Xbox One, Xbox Series X, and PC. Out of the Park Baseball 22 for the PC. Monster Hunter Rise for the Switch. K's and the Wild Masks for the PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC. It Takes Two for the PS4, Xbox One, PC and ported for PS5 and Xbox Series X. <laughs> Balin Wonderworld for PS4, PS5, Xbox One, Xbox Series X, Switch, and PC. Doom 3 colon VR edition for the PC. Disco Elysium colon the final cut for PS4, PS5, and PC. Evil Genius 2 colon World domination for the PC. And if none of that tickled your fancy, there is Narita Boy for the PS4, <laughs> Xbox One, Switch, and PC. Yeah. The big release this week is probably Monster Hunter Rise. Um, yes, it's uh, so big that a studio that the studio in Japan gave people a day off so they could yes. play Monster Hunter Rise. So there you go. Goes to show you. Yep. I may check out It Takes Two because that's the two-player game. Right. Couch co-op uh, from No Way Out developers. Right. Yep. And it looks cute and fun and should be like an easy couch co-op game. So yeah. may look into that. May try and convince uh, the wifey that we should play it. Check it out. Oh no, shit, I'm going away on vacation. Yeah. I might Eventually. check it out. <laughs> Eventually. Eventually. Anyway. Anyways, video games. Video games. There was so much news, and we're kind of running out of time, mm -hmm. you know, of our own scheduled time that we put it all into game bits. Yes. Lightning round. Yep. First up, as I mentioned, Monster Hunter Rise, big release in Japan. Yeah. Companies are literally giving their uh, workers the day off so they can play it. Uh, Nintendo and Niantic are teaming up yet again for a Pikmin AR mobile game. So they went from Pokemon to Pikmin, just changing a couple of letters around. <laughs> um, yeah, this is a good fit, I think, to have little Pikmin running around. Not quite what the game is, actually is at this point, but it's neat. 
you'd be surprised they didn't go with Mario and just have different world pipes everywhere. Yeah, yeah. they want you to go to Japan to see the thing. It's a billion dollar idea right there. AR Mario <laughs> pipes. You click and you play yeah. a different Mario level. If only. But if you only. get Pikmin for now. Uh, we also have Xbox Live ish getting a rebrand, not shutting yeah. down. Uh, becoming Xbox Network. So this isn't really a rebrand in a way where it's just a simplification. They're dropping live as the name of how, of basically their network and just simplifying it by calling it the Xbox Network. In fact, the N in network is not even capitalized. That's my bad. Um, it's just, yeah, it's just the Xbox Network now. So when you play so with, online with somebody on your Xbox, people don't play them with play with them on live. You play them on the Xbox Network. You play them connected to the Xbox as yeah. you do. Um, you don't have it here, but Microsoft is currently looking at buying Discord. The, yeah, that's not really a video game story, so it didn't include it, but yes, that is also kind Well, of, Discord is a big place for gamers to go and chat. It so. is, but it's so wide-reaching and so and at this point that it's it wasn't in my news list. Well, yes. it's in there now. <laughs> You're right, yes. Uh, that is not official yet. We'll, we'll, I guess, report if that actually happens. Yeah, when they actually put a number on that thing. We'll, we'll report it, but they are looking into buying Discord. Right. Um, speaking of Xbox and things shutting down or being yeah. rebranded, Sony, not being left out of the game, will yeah. shut down PS3 and PS Vita and I guess PSP. <sighs> yeah. Digital storefronts on their original platform in a couple of months by, I think it's in yeah. June. Well, it's not official yet. Um, it seems like it will be official by the end of this month. They'll probably say a date for it. Um, but yeah, this sucks because that means that if you have uh, if you have one of those older platforms and want to buy something directly on it, you're going to lose access to do that. Uh, or you still if buy you free... have one of those older platforms and mm -hmm. have games via the PS Plus store, right? The free games. So the question now is is whether how far Sony is going with this. So the only question we don't know is whether this will prohibit people who have already bought things on those stores to re-download. Fingers crossed, hope that they do allow that, but there's no way of knowing. Nintendo, of course, famously, when they shut down the Wii store, they are not allowing re-downloads of Wii games. So Sony has that option. We hope they don't take it. And this is just yet another iteration of us screaming into the void to buy physical media. I mean, I get why you wouldn't want to. I personally haven't bought a, a physical game in a while. Uh, but this is, yeah, this is evidence. You're right. This is evidence that they have the ability to cut off your access to these digital games whenever they want. Yep. And I'll say it before. I've said it on this podcast. Yeah. And I'll say it again. You only own something digital for the life of the company. Yeah, pretty much. And even then, sometimes not. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway. Anyways, uh, Square Enix had its own showcase last week, which I thought yeah. we were going to cover here in its own story, but... This is the only events. important thing I thought I saw from it. <laughs> uh, and that, well, I mean, important for us, and that would be yeah. Life is Strange 3, colon, True Colors, will be at, was officially announced. Yes. And that it will be bundled in their Platinum Edition with Life is Strange. And Life is Strange, colon, Before the Storm remasters. Yeah. As well as the Life is Strange 2. Right. Um, I don't think that got a surname to it. Uh, no, it was just Life is Strange 2. 
but yeah, this is cool. I skipped Life is Strange 2, uh, but from what I understand, it was actually really well done. Um, I'm interested in Life is Strange 3's concept. It's like um, the person's power, because there's always a power in these games. The person's power is more about like being able to see auras of their, like, of their emotions and using that to puzzle solve. And that sounds great. So I'm really interested in what they're going to do here. Also, Life is Strange 3 will not be episodic. Yes. I mean, it will be, but you'll be, be able to play it one from day one. Yeah, $160 package from day one. Just one yeah. drop. So You won't have cool. to wait uh, when they're going to release new episodes. It's just all there. Yeah. And like I said, if you pony up for the platinum, whatever it is, bundle, yeah, $100 bundle, you'll get all three games. Which is honestly a really good deal if you it's, haven't it's played them. Deal. Yeah. Um, also from that uh, announcement from Square Enix, Outriders, which they had talked about, their next right. uh, game for service, service game, game as a service. Yeah, should say anything. <laughs> will be released at the end of April. Yeah, also notable is coming directly to Game Pass when it does. So if you have Game Pass on an Xbox or a PC, You'll be able to play that game right away. Or if you want to play the demo, it's out right now. It's available now, yes. Which I did. And <laughs> real briefly, yeah, it kind of made me want to buy the game. It's a pretty good demo. Ah, okay. I've heard mixed things, so I haven't tried it yet. But It, it is very sparse in a demo, but then again, it's a demo, so I'm it's not expecting a whole lot. But it yeah. does play like a Borderlands shooter in, yeah. or like a loot shooter mm-hmm. in a Gears of War style gameplay. But the narrative of different powers and skill trees is kind of getting me hooked in the Mm -hmm. limited demo that I played, so I might play this. When the game comes out, I'll I'll give it a try too, since I have Game Pass. So yeah. I mean, if it's available on Game Pass for you, just go ahead and try it. I'll check it out. Yeah. Uh, We also have Amazon opening a new game studio in Montreal. Because sure. Because, <laughs> okay, go ahead, compete directly with Ubisoft. <laughs> or more accurately, like, enjoy the wealth of people already there because there's such a big gaming community there. Mm-hmm. Could be uh, combination. Didn't we talk about Montreal expanding their warehouse divisions? Yes, we did. Yes, we did. Yes. I think that was mainly for studios, but or for right. production, yeah. but, but still, it's a warehouse, and if you could put yeah. anything in there. People there. Yep. Uh, we also have new Switch. Maybe. So we talked about yeah, the so new Switch a, last week. So this is a Bloomberg, Bloomberg report again from the same sources with more specific info than last week. Right, which includes an NVIDIA tech with DLSS upscaling, which will help it get yeah. to that 4K resolution. Well, if you're not a tech NVIDIA. head, all that really means is that it's upscaling to 4K. It's not necessarily native 4k but i don't think nintendo could do native 4k though but here's the kicker though some people who have messed around with this dlss technology from nvidia are saying that actually sometimes because it's using machine learning to develop that upscaling technology sometimes they say the 4k quality is actually better in the dlss than it is in native 4k Hmm. so this could actually be a really smart decision by nintendo because it's a cost-saving measure that actually gives you the same amount of quality that you would be getting if it was native like the other consoles. So, hey, this could work out for them. Yeah, it could work out. But then again, Nintendo would need to announce a new console. That's true. (laughs) We'll see what happens. 
in other news, Sony Interactive is teaming up with esports company RTS to purchase fighting game tournament organizer Evo. Yeah, this one we came talk about Evo all the time here. We do. Um, this is interesting for a couple of reasons. One, Evo was probably in need of a buyer. They've had a rough last year. Mm -hmm. Not only did their founder or, or I guess president or something, I don't know his title, um, get attacked with some sexual assault allegations. But then on top of that, they couldn't have a tournament last year because of COVID. And so they were probably hemorrhaging money. So they were probably looking for a suitor. But the other weird thing about this is that nobody expected a console holder to do it. Uh, PlayStation's purchase doesn't really change much about the actual organization from what, at least what they're saying so far. They will still be pursuing games outside of PlayStation consoles. Now, whether or not those other companies want to do business with PlayStation to make that happen is another story. Of course, the one everybody's going to think about first is Super Smash Brothers and whether Nintendo is going to play ball with Sony to get Smash on Evo when they've already established that they don't even like Smash being in the Evo stage. So chances are this might be the end of Smash. This Evo. might be their out and this just say, it. oh, we have new bosses. Blame it yeah. on them. Exactly. So it, it's the ball will be in Nintendo's court. And if they're if it is, they're taking that ball home. <laughs> they're not gonna put <laughs> it in play. They're gonna take it to their own mushroom kingdom. Right. Uh, we all speaking of Sony. The yeah. new PS5 VR controllers were revealed, and they look like gauntlets. Yeah, I think this was another one of those Thursday morning specials where we just missed it. But yeah. yeah um, they look like the uh, Vive controllers, if you're familiar Hive. with those. Vive? Vive. HTC. HTC Vive. Where they're kind of, the, the, the tracking happens because they're like this spherical design, mm -hmm. and the buttons are inside, and there's finger right. tracking. Like um, this kind of so it's more feature complete than the Sony previous solution, Sony's previous solution, which was the move controllers. So cool, it allows there to be at least a level of um, established, like an established basic place for developers to develop from since they're already developing games for the Vive VR system, anyways. Mm -hmm. So it's smart of Sony to kind of get at least up to their level on this technology. It's been years since they updated the Move controllers. Yes, yes. They needed a new controller for their VR. So. And lastly, in the game bits, Gotham Knights had been delayed yes. to 2022. Yeah, so if you're looking forward to another Batman game, well, you're going to have to wait a little longer for that one. I'm fine waiting. <laughs> and that's it. Uh, yes, right? quick thoughts. Okay. Uh, or this thoughts slash shoutouts I guess I am going to uh, things have settled down in my household and I'm going <laughs> to start back on a stream schedule alright um, the first one started yesterday and I'm going to be doing a playthrough of finally Final Fantasy 7 Remake hey. 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 Uh, I have set block time out now between 4 and 6 p.m. my time. So I'll be playing two hours of that probably Tuesdays, Thursday, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday. I'm trying to aim for kind of Tuesday, Thursday for sure. Mondays are in flux. <laughs> not Wednesdays because we podcast, not Fridays because it's the weekend. 
and then yeah, not the weekend. <laughs> that eliminates a lot of days, doesn't it? Kind of eliminates a lot of days when you're like going places and stuff. Then again, who's going anywhere these days? Yeah. <laughs> Good question. I haven't played anything. I, I mean, I played more Mario, but I talked about that last week. Uh, Mario 3D World in Bowser's Fury. Um, so yeah, I'll just keep whittling away at that. Yes, and uh, this is your PSA announcement okay. since you brought up Mario. Yes, yes. That you literally have one week left to purchase Mario 3D All-Stars because as yeah. of next week, <laughs> you cannot get that game Period. anywhere. Also, you have a week to play Super Mario 35 because that will also go away on the 31st. If you buy a download code for uh, Mario 3D All-Stars and you don't redeem it, because you get a year to redeem it mm -hmm. the code will still work and you can still download it but yeah. you will not be able to purchase it yeah. anywhere so. so yeah if you haven't already bought it i mean think about whether you actually still want it um and then yeah if you still want it then absolutely pick it up if you want nostalgia about those old games or want to play those old games again it's a good way to do that but if you're expecting literally anything else maybe don't that's my that's my review <laughs> All stars. Anyways, I'm, I'm just saying it's gonna run out. Yeah, it's gonna this run out. The collector's edition time for you yeah. hoard it out and then wait a month for people to to want it again. Yeah. But that, everyone, will do it. Just over the two hour mark here. Thanks for joining us on this wonderful uh, media book podcast this week. We'll be back next week for another episode, maybe shorter. Who can say? Uh, things depends if we stop don't happening. stop watching stuff and reporting yeah, on it. That's the problem. And I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. That's what this podcast is. Um, so, yeah, thanks for joining us. Uh, if you want to see us in video form, that's YouTube. Go to YouTube, search for our channel by searching Media Boat Podcast. Find it, search, uh, like it, comment it, whatever you need to do. We appreciate it. If you want to hear us in audio form, you can do that as well. Our podcast is available on many podcast services such as Apple Podcasts. Google Play, Amazon, iHeartRadio, Spotify, all those ways and more. So just search Media Boat Podcast on your given channel and find us there. You can also find us on social media, such as Twitter, where our handle is at Media Boatcast. Facebook, where you can search to find us by searching Media Boat Podcast. Like, comment on there. We'll see it. You can also email us with questions, comments, feedback about the show at mediaboatpodcast at gmail.com. So thank you for joining us. We'll be back next week with more. So stay tuned. Until then, have a good week and bye-bye. We'll be back next week with more thoughts, more news, and it's the end of the it'll be end of the fiscal year. So yes. basically everything's gonna drop by next Wednesday if it so has who knows already. what'll happen. So who knows okay. what what kind of bombshells people will release. Maybe gain stocks will finally fall <laughs> or float or whatever. Truly, who can say? But we'll figure that out next week. All right. Okay, bye. <laughs>